Blog Talk Radio. We are back. Good morning, everybody. October 6th, 2016. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Burger Shop. This is Ryan Berger taking you through the next hour. Discussion here on the podcast at the intersection of sports and culture, marketing, technology, and more. It's been a uh, an interesting week with all the sports going on as well as the Rosh Hashanah holiday. So Happy New Year to all the Jewish listeners out there who uh, were dipping the apples in the honey for a sweet New Year earlier uh, this week. And, uh, of course, the holy holiday of Yom Kippur next week. So uh, happy holidays to everybody uh, listening. And, of course, have a, a great and sweet New Year uh, and a healthy New Year as we look forward to uh, the next week's holiday and of course with the short week being this week we wanted to develop a fun little podcast which we have uh, developed today and we'll be joined in just a little bit by a a really good guest uh, that I think everybody will be uh, intrigued to listen to a little bit. So uh, as I mentioned, October 6th, I think this is podcast 31 or 32. Last show we were joined by uh, ESPN's Darren Ravel. So again, thanks to ESPN and ABC and Disney for having Darren on. Of course, thanks to our sponsors, our uh, founding sponsor of the show, Hyper. Uh, You can find out more about Hyper at hyprbrands.com. Hyper is the leader in celebrity and influencer search engine identification uh, with over 4 million influencers on the platform and, of course, has been a friend and a great partner to the show. Um, the Crowds Line, a really great, fantastic way to predict games. You can head over to the com and make your latest prediction. Recap of week, of week two from our last show was the Cincinnati and 
Pittsburgh Steelers game. The Steelers won by eight. The crowd suggested taking Pittsburgh and the points and nailed it. They also suggested taking the over, which was no good. And this week, the crowd is going back to the well. And me as a Jet fan might not like this, but the crowd likes Pittsburgh giving the points. They have Pittsburgh as an 11-point favorite, even though they are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The crowd thinks it will be a high-scoring game. Head on over to the crowdsline.com. Make your prediction today. Have a lot of fun. As you know, it's free. All the prizes, Starbucks gift cards, iTunes gift cards, if you make that prediction right on the money. So head over to the crowdsline.com. And our newest sponsor, Pita Express, 15 Ann Street down in New York City, the best Mediterranean uh, food out there, hummus, uh, chicken, pita, all kinds of wraps. Head on over. Let them know you're inside the burger shop listener, Billy Kotler, hook you up with a free appetizer, free hummus on behalf of the podcast. Podcast. So a lot of fun with our sponsors. Thanks so much for our partners being uh, a fun part of the show. And as always, we will end the show with a hyper heat index. Today we'll look at three uh, hyper uh, heat influencers, uh, Clayton Kershaw, who's pitching tomorrow against Max Scherzer, and we'll look at both of those. And then we'll look at Noah Syndergaard as well. So we'll put the three uh, pitchers, who uh, two of which are in the playoffs and one was knocked out last night. We wanted to look at Madison Bumgarner, but uh, interestingly, the big guy is not um, is not part of social media, which is really, really interesting. So um, uh, that's the way Mad, uh, Mad Bum does his stuff. And uh, what you saw last night is the guy is one of, really one of the, the greatest pitchers of, uh, of our time and in the history of, of the sport when you look at um, – when you look at overall results and and postseason appearance, I mean, what an unbelievable uh, performance last night from Bumgarner! Nine innings, uh, shutout. Just an amazing, amazing uh, evening from Bumgarner, and an amazing performance by uh, Syndergaard as well. Really, a, a classic pitchers' duel, back and forth, and uh, you know the challenge in that one-game wild card. And it's an it's an idea that a lot of people were very much against. I was against it when they came out with the idea of doing a one-game playoff. Um, but what what happened very, very fast uh, and very, very quickly was when you go up against um, when you go up against a guy like Syndergaard, excuse me, a guy like Bumgardner, you're going to be in trouble if you have a one game to go up against him because he is lights out and as good as it gets in the postseason. Um, and when you look at that Mets lineup, it's there's no world beaters out there. You have to you have to get some hits against these guys. And uh, so Cespedes and Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce got up and you know, Cade with a man on second, nobody out. All he had to do was basically bunt the ball over to first base. Um, but that one game is unbelievably exciting, and uh, the one game to make it into the next round. And we saw two nights in a row, really a. Um, incredibly stressful driven both games, the first game, you know, Orioles and, and Blue Jays. And you had a situation where um, really a, 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 a weird situation. You had one of the best managers in the sport, Buck Showalter, not go to his best pitcher. This would sort of be like the Yankees not going with Mariano for all those innings on games that are do or die. And, um, 
Showalter just continuing to not go with uh, Zach Britton, inning after inning after inning, to the point where he actually brings in Ubaldo Jimenez, and Jimenez gives up three hits in a row. The Orioles go home, and Zach Britton, their best pitcher, never sees the field. So very, very sort of weird situation that happened in Baltimore. And look, Buck got lucky, essentially, when he uh, went with these other pitchers for these last couple, those last couple of innings. But when he decided to not go with Britain in the 11th inning, I don't know what he was thinking. Not even sure, have, have any idea what Buck was doing. Uh, there was a lot of people who weren't second-guessing it, but were actually guessing it immediately when Buck was making that decision, saying, what is actually Showalter doing? So very sort of weird things going on in, in, in that Baltimore series, and now Toronto advances to play uh, Texas today at 4.30, and then you get the night game, game one, uh, Boston and Cleveland, which should be a fun series, and then, of course, in the National League, you get the winner last night of the Giants playing against the Cubs with 101 wins, the heavy favorite to win it all. But, of course, we all know what's going on with the Cubs. And then the other series is interesting. It's the Dodgers and, and Kershaw against Max Scherzer and the Nationals. And we're uh, excited to be joined right now by uh, David Schwab, who's the VP at Octagon Sports, the founder of uh, Octagon First Call and a Washington, D.C. resident. So we can talk to him a little bit about what the buzz is going on around the Nationals in D.C. David, good morning. Welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. So before we get started, just wanted to take the temperature. What's going on down there with the sort of expectations and the buzz regarding the uh, the banged up Nationals? Well, I think the uh, the buzz in Washington is more that there's an election in four weeks than the Nationals <laughs> making it to the playoffs. But uh, now people get excited. People get excited. There's Washington Nationals and the Washington Capitals have been in the same place the last five years. They've had unbelievable regular seasons. And then the postseason has not worked out as well as most uh, have hoped. So I think people are eager and hopeful, but somewhat realistic, too. My next question was about the election, so you threw it out. You took it right out of my mouth. So why don't we kind of start there? And obviously there's big big sporting events going on, and but nothing's bigger than this election. And it's been a very, very uh, fragmented, crazy, crazy uh, couple of months or a bunch of months le- leading up to uh, the election four weeks. What's the... What's sort of the word of mouth going on around there uh, regarding these two um, questionable candidates? <laughs> what, what, what you don't see, what most don't see every day, and depending on where you live, the local economy is built around big, their big business. And the local economy here is built around the federal government. So there are a lot of people, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people whose jobs and business are dictated by who becomes the next president and who runs Congress. Uh, different agendas from each side dictate which parts of uh, the government increase spending, which parts decrease spending. So the amount of lobbyist businesses and the supporting agencies uh, are anxiously awaiting what happens. A lot of people, that's why the city is so transient. Every four years, Thousands leave, thousands come in based on who's in office. 
It's a really interesting point and it's such a sort of interesting election when we look at the hyper data from Donald Trump, 12 million followers and Twitter, 11 million and Facebook uh, spends an incredible amount of time uh, pushing tweets out during you know, when debates are going on, when, when sort of topics are coming out there and his latest sort of tribe late night, the other, I guess last week with a number of tweets from like kind of one to five in the morning. Uh, do, do people really think he has a chance to win this thing or do people think it's kind of close, but at the end of the day when people are going to go vote and, and go put exactly who they want, they, they just don't feel comfortable pulling the trigger for him. Well, you're asking the wrong guy to make a prediction on the election. Um, but I, I would imagine, as most would say, it comes down to about five states and certain demographics in those states. And depending on who votes on those days, ends up being who's the president of the United States. Hmm. Funny how it goes like that. People are so sort of don't really realize that, that it's like that, but it is very, very cut through like that in electoral votes and Hillary needs a certain amount and, and Trump does. So being here in New York, you know, it feels like he really has no shot, but you never know, uh, you know, what will happen on that day. So it'll be an exciting four weeks before uh, the decision happens. For sure. Um, sure. So let's move into sort of sports and, and, and your business. And, you know, you, you obviously have a really interesting you know, job. You're the founder of Octagon First Call, a marketing service that connects brands and celebrities for opportunities. This is obviously an area that's exploded over the fi past five or ten years. H how did you get started in a business like this? Um, and sort of w what is the biggest change you've seen over the past five or ten years? But so sort of what is your background? Where did you kind of Get, cut your chops and get get in this space that uh, that everyone seems to be intrigued by. Yeah, I, I've been at Octagon for 17 years now. Uh, when I started, I was leading the communications and PR efforts for the talent that Octagon represented back then. So if we go back to 1999, that's David Robinson and John Elway and Anna Kornikova, Davis Love. Uh, and, and that morphed, I think, the next year Octagon had signed Michael Vick. Um, so I, I, I led that PR team that ultimately had me lead the sales and marketing team. I did it for five or six years, and then in 2005, uh, got really frustrated with the marketplace. Um, I was watching the deal flow come in. Brands and marketing agencies were coming to us, coming to me, with business opportunities for talent that Octagon represented. Uh, and it was clear to me that brands understood how to move product off shelves and marketing agencies understood how to support uh, those brands with the tactics that they did, but that for the most part, neither really understood how or why or when to use a celebrity or an athlete. And conversely, and being candid, I, I thought agents felt were very similar. They understood their clients incredibly well but they didn't necessarily have the knowledge of how to make it work for brands. And so before I'd worked at Octagon, I'd worked at a PR promotions agency for six years, working in the retail space and understood how, at least felt, understood how uh, brands took product to market. And so I raised my hand, wrote a business plan, uh, and asked out of the representation marketing side of the business, um, and created a business, as you said, called First Call, a celebrity strategy and procurement where we'd sit in the middle and we would consult for brands and marketing agencies on 
why you possibly need somebody, when you possibly need them, and then actually how to do it. And of course, negotiate the contracts and manage those partnerships. And I think our business team this year will probably do somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 of those contracts, so a little bit more than one and a half per business day in a year. Uh, it keeps us it keeps us moving for sure. Um, to your question of how it's changed, it's changed a ton. Uh, 1999 or 2005 when the business started, your choices of talent were actors, musicians, and athletes. I mean, you had more choices, but those were the only three that really had uh, big audiences. Um, and and musicians really didn't want to be in the space because they were selling music and they didn't think it was cool or they were uh, didn't want to shill for a product. And a lot of the actors felt the same. So there were some TV actors and athletes. That's where the marketplace really was. Uh, then all of a sudden, cable TV exploded and niche channels surfaced, cooking channel, food channel, DIYs, home improvements, history, National Geo, and all of a sudden all these other people that were uh, had an expertise now had a legitimate following and a legitimate, called celebrity status, so the type of people one could hire changed uh, uh, because others were more relevant. So for a tailgate, you didn't just have to hire a football guy because that's where the game was being played. But if you're trying to sell food, maybe you want to hire a cook. Uh, and now you've got someone who's got his own TV show because they made more sense to the demographic maybe of the mom who's actually going out and buying the food. And you can take that same scenario that happened in late 2000s to the last three years of when social platforms expo exploded. And so those same type of the new generation of star happened. There became a person that had millions of loops of Vine because they were funny. Or uh, the, the covers that they're doing on Musical.ly are seen every day by teenagers. And people that post great photos on Instagram all of a sudden have huge followings. And you can go through all the platforms and, and pick people. So same thing with cable TV. Social platforms gave the ability for all these other people to have their own audiences. So now all of a sudden in 2016, when brands are making choices or thinking about it, the amount or types of people that they could look at are endless. Yeah, and and they're all individual sort of channels that you can work directly with. To your to your point, and you know everybody, so many people know Octagon as a sports first agency, an agency that represents uh, global icons like you know Stephen Curry. You know, but if you get you sort of pull the curtain back a little bit, what do you do every day? What is Octagon sort of for the pe person that's listening to the podcast who might be interested in getting into sports marketing or getting into overall marketing or celebrity marketing? You know, the lines have blurred. What initially was a sports marketing company now is into sports representation, now is into influencers, now is into doing all kinds of marketing programming that involves new media and technology. I mean, what do you guys do every day? Obviously, a little bit of all of that. But to take the listeners through sort of a, a day in the life of you know of, of yourself actually yeah I'll give you two things I'll do octagon and then a day uh, of myself um, octagon I mean simply we, we do two things we consult for brands and we consult for people consult
consulting for people is the agent and marketer and publicist side of the business where, yes, the basketball division is representing Stephen Curry and the Olympics business is representing Michael Phelps. And it's probably a 1,000 people strong around the world in terms of talent and people that Octagon is representing. Then Octagon is also consulting for brands. And that could be as simple as uh, IBM coming to us and looking for talent for their TV campaign, and you've seen them with Serena and Bob Dylan and others, that our group did, or it could be putting together MasterCard's global sponsorship strategy um, that you know is with uh, soccer or football internationally or rugby or music and their association with the Grammys. So our, we're doing the same things. It's just a matter of if you're doing it for a brand or you're doing it for talent. And there's about 1,000 employees, maybe a little less than 1,000 employees, that are doing that in countries around the world. My my day to day is twofold. Uh, one is a um, a management role across a number of different business units to make sure everyone is is talking properly and we're taking advantage of all those resources that I just mentioned and all the people with incredible expertise, not just in geography but by industries and disciplines. And then, two, from a vertical, still running that first call business, the celebrity strategy and procurement. And so on a daily basis, that could be uh, talking to a new business or brand about helping them um, and what that looks like, to negotiating a contract with a talent manager, agent, or attorney. Remember, this business is not the, the octagon represented people. This is us representing brands, so the people that we're negotiating with could be any agent in the world or any lawyer that's representing an economist or a skateboarder or a chef or a vine star. Uh, and uh, so we're do- so in our business, we're, we're doing the research to figure out who and why. We're helping the brands figure out what that strategy would be with all their marketing agencies. We're then negotiating those contracts, and then we're sitting in the middle of that wheel helping manage that partnership between brand and celebrity through the end of the term. It's really, really interesting and, and such sort of a new new model for a, for a company that obviously has been around for a while. And, again, we're talking to uh, uh, the founder of Octagon First called David Schwab. You could follow him on Twitter at, at David underscore Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B. And you, know, you mentioned Steph Curry, and we know from the hyper data that uh, Steph has – about 20 million, 26 million followers when you uh, add in Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook, and getting his most engagement by far, uh, about 2,000 comments for every one of his posts on, on Instagram. And interestingly, his, his male audience is about 80% and female about 20, which has gone up. It was a lot more female, obviously, based on uh, the big audience that his wife brings to the table. But you know, h- how does it work with a guy like Curry? You guys represent him, but you also work with brands. Do you have the ability to kind of put the two together and bring preferred deals to your athletes, or do you guys try to keep those things a little bit church and state? Well, it's got to be church and state because the agent for Stefan has a business plan for him, and the person who's running a brand at Octagon has a business plan for them. If it aligns and it makes sense for both parties, yeah, great, unbelievable. That certainly makes it easier when the person may be down the hall or a phone call away 
but it doesn't make sense just to force set it. Uh, if, if that happens, then one of those parties is not delivering on the business plan that they've all set out to do. Um, I, so I, preferred deals, I, I'm not necessarily sure even what that means. Obviously, I know what it means, but uh, you know, how that comes to context. So the brands are not just throwing it, hey, you represent, take it, and the agent's not saying, hey, I'll take a deal that's not as great because it's coming. I think both are working hard to do what's best for their client. And certainly with relationships around, everyone has a better feel for what works um, and maybe allows for easier conversations. Yep, that's exactly what was meant by the preferred, obviously the ability to know the, the people in the room and understand a little bit of the, the KPIs on those, on those business plans as sort of having colleagues, but of course the doing what's best for each individual player and brand and company itself is, is first and, and foremost. So, so you guys represent a tremendous amount of athletes, uh, some obviously very, very big names. You, know, you, you started to talk a little bit before about what's happened over the past couple of years with the explosion of, of the social channels and specifically the explosion of what we call micro-influencers, which have now become uh, sort of the sexy um, individuals that everybody's trying to to work with do you guys I know you guys do a lot of work with influencers do you represent influencers or do you represent just athletes or how, how does that work with sort of the celebrity and influencer world the octagon does not represent the micro influencers the mommy bloggers uh, and that group of I think it's kind of defined as people with under call it 40,000 collective followers. Um, the Octagon does have different business units, speakers and literary, where they are representing former Navy SEALs or business leaders for different marketing initiatives. Um, and, and every day, each of those business leaders is evaluating partnerships and acquisitions and ways to uh, penetrate and, and, and go deeper and, and broader for the representation side of the business. Um, so where do you see this headed? I mean, it's changed so much in the time that you've been involved, 17 years, and, and, and where it is today, and technology has obviously played such a significant role in how a company like Octagon operates. And where do you see something, where do you see all this headed? Do you see this being very much about the micro-influencer, or is it about um, that that's sort of a fad, and it's not going to be as hot as it is today, and it's going to go back into the big-name celebrity and, and everything being about the, the big names? But so what are your thoughts on where this whole thing and, and this whole phase is going? You, I, well, let me, let me back up there. I think it all moves forward together. It really depends on what the business is trying to accomplish. Where the micro bloggers have had success is when a brand needs blog posts or a few social posts um, as a consistent effort uh, to increase awareness online that eventually could help with SEO and Google searches. That's a particular strategy. Other brands are hiring a celebrity because it gives them extra floor space at Walmart or through a private meeting with a 
business-to-business uh, client, they're able to close additional funding. Uh, other brands are trying to make that water cooler moment and create some publicity stunts. So they need a type of person that is a, holy cow, I can't believe they did that. We need to talk about it tomorrow. So depending on where the brand wants to go and what the objective is, then dictates the type of person. And to me, that is the challenge that we deal with every day is having brands and agencies flip the way that they think. Most people like to think, I like this celebrity or I need a basketball player. And, that, and then they work down the name and how to make a program. We try to get everyone to start with why. Why are we considering using somebody? All right, we've got a reason for that. What are the best ways to use somebody to deliver on that why? Once we can figure those two things out, then we can say, oh, actually we should hire a fitness trainer for that, or this person on Snapchat's unbelievable, or this DJ is great. And so to me, that's the biggest change right now is changing the kind of, it's a reframe, getting people to think about why first just like they do for everything else. It's just hard to do because we live in a society where you go to a cocktail party and, and within five minutes you're talking about some musical act you saw or your favorite sports team uh, or a TV show, and so you're always talking about talent first. Just got to flip that around a little bit. Yeah, and, in, and with the latest news and everything going on with Kardashian, who obviously was built uh, as, as an individual who has become a huge star globally and goes through, obviously, a terrible situation last week in, in Paris, and you, know, and you put it on the news and it's the first lead story on, on every channel that it's clearly you know, talent, talent, and whether you, people believe she has talent or not, talent has obviously dominated um, everyone's conversation. Everyone likes to post about it, talk about it, you know, take pictures when people are walking down the street. It's just a, a culture who's always been fascinated with celebrity. And it's funny, I was with my uh, partner coming back from a meeting last night, and he was mentioning um, working in the celebrity talent world for a long time about a story that he had uh, where I uh, was sending Jennifer Aniston to the airport to go to, I think, to Israel for an event. And um, and the car broke down that was picking her up in Malibu and how he had to sort of react immediately to figure it out to get her to the airport and to be able to get her on, on her flight on time. And one of the things people don't see when, they're, when, when they don't work with celebrities but they read about it or hear about it is, um, is the sort of back-end stories and how crazy it can get uh, to make sure that it works out or all the sort of back-end things. Any sort of stories that run through your mind in managing and working with celebrities for as long as you have where maybe a story didn't, a uh, program didn't go the way it was going to be planned and then something happened that turned out to make it really, really good. I mean, it's just so the difference between working with celebrities and influencers versus sort of media buys is you can't buy the media. You buy the media, it goes on TV, it goes, it runs in print, it runs in digital, it, it is what it is. It's programmatic in that way. But when working in, in the space that you and I work in, it's far from programmatic and anything could happen. I'm sure you've come across stories, you know, here and there that have, uh, that have gone a little bit sideways. It would be great to sort of hear one or two uh, sort of funny, interesting of your favorites. Well, I had a client that was supposed to be on the Conan O'Brien show but got arrested the night before, so we had to miss that opportunity. 
<laughs> I hope it wasn't because of you. Fifteen years ago, this was this was pre Octagon days. This was for a PR firm back in the late nineties. It was a woman um on Tough Woman, if you remember the on the guy side, Tough Man was Butterbean, was the big burly guy um before MMA. Um but a hybrid of boxing. And she had come from the TV show American Gladiators and was an influencer for the space that she lived in. Uh, and we had her on Conan O'Brien's show, which was running after Jay Leno and would have been the first national guest ever on a late-night show. I was training from Washington to New York, and there's no cell phones, late 90s. And I get to New York, I knock on the door, I come into Conan, and Daniel Ferguson, who's the producer and show booker at Conan, says... Hey, uh, David, why are you here? I said, well, Shannon should be li- arriving any time from Detroit, and um, she's on the show. I, why wouldn't I be here? And he said, you haven't heard? I said, no. <laughs> she, she's in jail. She got in a barroom brawl last night, and we got a call this morning. I just was on a train for four hours, and so there was no time for to get a phone call or to check a computer. Um, so... She missed the interview. Conan led uh, the show off at 12.30 that night with first time in the history of his show and possibly late night TV that his his guest could not be there because she was currently in jail. Um, Those are the things you can't control. She went on to win, win the title, and probably did Conan three or four times afterwards, ended up from a business and marketing, probably the best thing that could have ever happened to her, uh, but certainly didn't feel that way when we got off the train and I showed up in New York and she was in jail. <laughs> really, really good story. And uh, that's the kind of thing when you're working in, my, my partner said last night, you can't get nervous when things go sideways. You just sort of have to keep going straight forward and, and things will find a way of, of working out. And before we wrap up, we're, we're talking to uh, David Schwab, uh, the, the VP of Octagon Sports and the founder of Octagon First Call. And you can follow David on a great follow on Twitter, all about celebrities, influencers, and sports. Uh, David uh, underscore Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B. David, uh, before we, we let you go, what does the rest of the year look like? We have a couple more months, and I'm sure you're going to be getting your hands in some interesting stuff. Uh, what is sort of on the horizon for what you're up to and what Octagon's up to uh, over the next you know, two and a half months before we end the year? Yeah, well, if you specifically look at that first call, celebrity strategy business. We're knee-deep in uh, the Super Bowl for 2017 and figuring out some programming in Houston. We're already looking at some Super Bowl programming in Minneapolis for February 2018. Um, We've got a few businesses that have already asked for some thinking about appropriate talent for the Olympics in Korea in 2018. So that work, even though the summer games just ended, that work uh, has just popped again. Uh, as we talked earlier about social stars, there's an unbelievable amount of work that our team is doing for brands right now to teach them that space and why you're hiring a person to either amplify a program or, or hire somebody that has some content creation skills uh, so that you can put your uh, your materials on their channels and have that built-in media distribution or a guaranteed audience, let's say. Uh, 
with new TV shows popping over the last few weeks. A lot of brands are looking for which shows will stay and which actors will pop out and which ones that in six months or a year or two will be uh, have some national value to consider for marketing programs. So we are, it's not a cyclical. It's cyclical for us in that the Oscars happens at a certain time of the year and the Country Music Awards and X Games at different times of the year. But it rolls every day because every brand is using somebody for a, a different audience, a different geograph, uh, geography, uh, and different programming needs. Very, very cool. Well, look, I appreciate you taking the time to spend on the show today. I know you're busy with everything. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy holidays to the family, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. That was uh, David Schwab, uh, VP of Octagon Sports, founder of Octagon First Call, a super good guy, and a guy who's got his finger on the pulse of everything in the uh, influencer sports and, and celebrity world when it comes to endorsements, uh, brand partnerships and such. So thanks to Octagon and to Dave for coming on today and spending the last 25 or 30 minutes on Inside the Burger Shop uh, where the grill is always hot. And uh, before we wrap up, I do love to do the hyperheat index. The hyperheat index is when we look at three influencers or celebrities and look at their hyper data and get a little bit sort of pull the curtain and get a little bit behind uh, the data and get a sense of who's being followed by whom and what their data looks like. So. As I mentioned, I did want to look at Madison Bumgarner. Mad Bum is not really on social media. The guy is an absolute god in the postseason. But what we will look at is uh, Noah Syndergaard pitched seven innings last night, ten strikeouts. Thor pitched really, really well. Young kid, huge future. Uh, 84% males follow him, 16% of a female following. Uh, Thor is not a huge social media star, but has about 230,000 followers on Twitter and about 170,000 on his Instagram. But when it comes to uh, engagement, Thor is getting about three times the amount of engagement on Instagram, so getting about 15,000 likes for every post, whereas uh, on Twitter he's getting about 4,000 uh, li uh, likes or favorites for posts. So getting about three times, two and a half to three times more on Instagram. And that makes sense for Noah, who's a young uh, young player spends a lot of time on Instagram with 170,000 followers. Interestingly, he sent out a tweet immediately last night after the game um, talking about uh, how tough it was to be a part of that game and, and deal with it. So he obviously uses Twitter to keep his fans informed, but his in real engagement is in Instagram. And when you look at his his audience data, it has about 90% of Noah's audience is from the United States. So looking at his his, his his global audience, 90% of his audience is from the United States. So we head on over to the best in the game, Clayton Kershaw, the lefty from the Los Angeles Dodgers, who will be pitching tomorrow. 85% of his hyper data, we see 85% of males are in his social audience. He has about 330,000 followers on Twitter and about 300,000 on Facebook. Kershaw rarely uses Instagram with only 13,000 followers on Instagram. Noah, 89 
percent of Noah Syndergaard's followers are from the United States. Hyper tells us 83% of Clayton Kershaw's are from the United States. And when you look at the engagement, Kershaw's biggest platform by far, Facebook. 7,300 reactions for every post, whereas on Twitter, 540, and on Instagram, 620. So uh, a very big usage of the Facebook platform for Clayton Kershaw, the lefty also getting 660 shares for every one of his posts. So interesting to see Kershaw and how big Facebook is and it plays a role uh, for the lefty. And, and the last guy I want to look at is Max Scherzer, the hard-throwing right-hander from the Washington Nationals, another 20-game uh, win season this year, matching up against Kershaw tomorrow and should be an absolute gem to watch. And, and we see 79% of his social following is males, Max Scherzer. We see from the hyper data, his big audience and his big is in Twitter. So it's funny, the three to look at, Syndergaard is Instagram, Kershaw is Facebook, and Scherzer is Twitter with two, over 220,000 followers uh, and getting about 42 retweets for every one of his posts. His Instagram gets about 80,000 followers, and his Facebook is a small 12,000 followers getting about eight comments for every one of his posts. So it's funny to see them each using platforms differently and each being much bigger on each individual platform. 83% of his followers are from the United States. Scherzer, very similar to Kershaw at 83%. is 6% from Venezuela for Max Scherzer. And so those are three sort of the, of the top pitchers in the sport. As I mentioned, I'd love to look at Madison Bumgarner, who's the, uh, who's really the, the star of the game last night and, and the star of the show, but unfortunately um, Mad Bum spends all of his time hunting on the farm and pitching and has not uh, spent much time, if at all, opening social channels, so Hyper is not able to pull that information. But thank you to Hyper for providing us with all the information and data today on David Schwab, on Stephen Curry on Octagon and then on the Hyper Heat Report. Thank you to David for spending some time on the show today. Thanks to Octagon for uh, letting David come on and, and spend some time on Inside the Burger Shop. It's been a, a fun week, a short week with the with the New Year and, and the Rosh Hashanah um, and of course the Heartbreak Hotel with the Mets last night losing 3 nothing and a Big three-run homer by uh, Connor Gillespie uh, that shoots the Giants into game one of the of the Cubbies uh, tomorrow in, in Wrigley. So I'm looking forward to some unbelievable baseball, some great uh, uh, football. Of course, I haven't spent much time on this, but I figure we will next week, and that will be on uh, the NFL. Uh, next week will be five games into the season, so we'll have a, a guest and talk a lot of NFL next week, of course, my Jets, uh, one and three, staring at one and five in the face in 
Pittsburgh this weekend, then flying out the West Coast to Arizona, who also is one in three and is missing Carson Palmer. So like the NFL, you never know what's going to happen. But um, looking for a big bounce back from my Jets this week in a tough place to play in in, in Pittsburgh. Um, so thanks to everybody for listening. Of course, subscribe to the show uh, inside the Burger Shop. The Grill is hot on iTunes. Appreciate everybody listening today. As my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say. Adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast here comes your host the burger shop now live from coast to coast in any way you want to do it listen to the show ron got the insights the burger shop you know burger